So listen, I could say a lot of things, but I'm just going to go ahead and I'm going to... I'm going to start where I left off as it relates to our study of the seven churches, and we'll just let God have his way. Amen. So we're going to be beginning now uh, with the fourth church, and that would is the fourth or fifth now? I can't even keep track. But in verse uh, 1 of chapter 3 is where we'll begin. And to the angel of the church in Sardis write, These things says he who has... who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your works, that you have a name and you are alive, but you are dead. Be watchful and strengthen the things which remain, that they are ready to die, for I have not found your works perfect before God. Remember, therefore, how you received and heard, and hold fast and repent. Therefore, if you will not watch, I will come upon you as a thief, and you will not know what hour I will come upon you. You have a few names in Sardis who have not defiled their garments, and they walk with me in white, for they are worthy. He who overcomes shall be clothed in white garments, and I will not blot out his name from the book of life, but I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. My brothers and sisters, he is speaking to me. He is speaking to you. He's not just speaking to the church at Sardis. We know we've covered this, and we've had you know, five times where we've covered this. My brothers and sisters... This is our message. This is just as pertinent, just as on point now as it was back then for that special little congregation. Amen? Amen. So now, as our custom is, we'll break this down a little bit. (coughs) Excuse me. And to the angel of the church in Sardis write, These things says he who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. So now, each time the true author of the message, not the one who was carrying the message, because remember, the angel of the church is this bishop, this messenger, this pastor, whoever it is of this particular church, but the true authorship is Jesus, amen? And he identifies himself, and in this case, he identifies himself, uh, who, who the one who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. So we already know what the seven stars is because in uh, chapter 1, this is what he says in verse 20. The mystery of the seven stars which you saw in my right hand and the seven golden lampstands. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches. Those are the messengers of the seven churches, right? So he's telling you now, I am the over-shepherd. I'm the one who actually oversees these churches, uh, you know, among other things, obviously. And if we as pastors, as messengers, as his servants, we should be in his hand. We should, he should be the one that is calling the shots. He should be the one that's making the decisions. It's his word that we're preaching and ministering, not our own. Amen? He's the one that holds us. Now, look at what it also says. I, and it, I, There's a lot of scripture here, but I, I wanna, I'm going to try and break it down as smoothly and succinctly. I, I, is, I gotta, let me just pause here a minute. It's stirring in me right now, and it's everything I can do just to keep this. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. These things, says he who has the seven spirits of God. The seven spirits of God. Holy Spirit, one spirit, right? Yeah. But remember the manifold graces of God that we're talking about? I'm believing that's also synonymous with the, uh, with the seven spirits, how the Holy Spirit is one Holy Spirit, but there's the, the, his, his graces, His power is manifold. In Isaiah 11.1, 1, we get a bl- glimpse of, of what we're about to talk about then. There shall come forth a rod from the stem of Jesse. A branch shall grow out of his roots. The Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. That's one. Spirit of the Lord. 
the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. Okay, let me back up just a minute. There shall come forth a rod from the stem of Jesse. Who is that describing? Jesus. Jesus. That's why the genealogies are very uh, important to us. We know that he was going to come from that tribe of Judah and that uh, he was going to be of the lineage of David. So now when, when God promises David that he will be his throne, his prodigy will be the, the, um, they will, there will never be another bloodline that will be his, king, his kingship, his authority. That line will be the king for eternity. Jesus, the king of kings, lord of lords for eternity. So if you follow that all the way back, you follow it back to not only the, the line of Judah, the lineage of Judah, which is also common with David. So you see this. Amen. But look at, uh, I digress there. The spirit of the Lord, there's one. The, the spirit of wisdom, there's two. Understanding, there's three. The spirit of counsel, four. And might, five. The spirit of knowledge, six. And the fear of the Lord, seven. So there are the seven spirits right there that are mentioned of God. Amen. But that's all one Holy Spirit. So now there are a lot of us, maybe in this room or maybe just listening, we understand there's uh, numerology. There's, there's certain significance to numbers in scriptures. So to me, uh, you know, number seven, the number seven is the number that stands for completeness or, or completion, right? Let me just give you a couple of scriptures. In Genesis 2, it says, Thus the heavens and the earth and all the hosts of them were finished. And on the seventh day, God ended his work, which he had done. He rested on the seventh day from all his work, which he had done. It was completed, and he rested on the seventh day. So the number of completion shows that there are many, there are other scriptures that I can, I don't want to just load you up on the front end here. I just want to make sure that we, uh, that we can go. Uh, Revelation 10, 5 and 7. The angel whom I saw standing on the sea, on the land, raised up his head, his hand, excuse me, to heaven, and swore by him who lives forever and ever, who created heaven and the things that are in it, the earth and the things that are in it, and the sea and the things that are in it, that there should be delay no longer. But in the days of the sounding of the seventh angel, when he is about to sound, the mystery of God would be finished. So it's at that sounding, it's at that seventh angel, which is signifying it's all over, it's, it's the end. Again, Seven, the number of completion. Amen? You know, then let's look at one more scripture together, Revelation 5, 6. And I looked, and behold, in the midst of the throne and of the four living creatures, and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb as though it had been slain, having seven horns, seven eyes, which are seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. Who is the lamb? Jesus. Seven horns, seven eyes. The spirit of the Lord. Right? the Holy Spirit, who Jesus sent. But my brothers and sisters, you see, look, he who has the seven spirits, Jesus himself, he said, he who has the seven spirits, he is absolutely complete. There's no other authority higher than his. There's nothing that exists that is greater than he is. He, in and of himself, is the beginning and the end. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. He, in and of himself, is complete. Everything that exists, exists because of him, for him, by him. There is nothing greater than he is. He is absolutely complete. Are you, are you there? All right. 
You can also look at uh, Zechariah chapter 4. Remember Zechariah chapter 4 when he gets that vision and there's the two olive trees and there's that, the oil and then there's these pipes that come from the oil and there's the seven uh, lamps and there's seven uh, pipes or seven things that feed these lamps again. And then he says, uh, he, Zechariah says to the angel, what, is, what, am, what am I looking at? And he said, what, what did the angel say to him? It's not by power nor by might, but by my spirit, says the Lord. So you see the interconnection there between the spirit, the number seven, and how this, it's, it's just totally complete. Amen? The seven spirits of the Lord, Jesus' spirit, he's filled with the spirit, the one who, it's just complete. It's all tied up. It's done. It's perfect. Nothing more, nothing less. Hallelujah. So now let's go back to Revelation. I know your works, he says to this church. I know your works that you have a name and that you are alive, but you are dead. Be watchful and strengthen the things which remain that are are ready to die, for I have not found your works perfect before God. Remember, therefore, how you have received and heard. You know know what I noticed here? And I'm sure many of you have also noticed this as well. So he, he says this, I know your works, but you know what he doesn't couple with it? Exactly what the works are and give them a commendation for it. Have you noticed that? He gives this church no commendations. None. What he found, I know your works, that you have a name, and that you are alive. So there's no commendation. He says this, I know your works. You have a name. You have a good reputation. That's what he's saying. You have a name. And you're alive. But you're dead. You have a name. You have a good reputation. People look at you and they say, wow, things are really happening over there. Those people, ah, wow, this is great. This is a, that's, you, got, you look apart. You look like you're, you're, you're a standout. You look like you got it going on. You look like I'm right in the middle of all of that. You look really good. You're doing some great things over there. Yeah, wow. Ha, but you're dead. You have a reputation. You're impressing people. But you're not impressing God. I know your works. You're doing some things. I know your works. I know your works. You've ha- you have a name. People are talking about you. They're talking about your works. They're talking about what you've got going on. And they're thinking, wow, this is, re- this is a lively church. This is a lively atmosphere. This is awesome stuff. Wow, this is great, fantastic. But you are dead. My brothers and sisters, there's no, absolutely no commendation here. And see, I love the way Jesus says, see, Jesus, have you noticed Jesus in these letters to the churches? Does he really soft soap anything? Just tells it like it is. So, so my brothers and sisters, why should we, now listen, why should we be any different? And I'm not saying that me or you or we have license to beat somebody over the head with the word of God or with, just because something's true, we got to go and get in somebody's face about it. I'm, that's not what I'm saying at all. That's not what I'm saying at all. But what I am saying is it's time that we as his church stop being shy about what we believe and stop keeping our mouth zipped when God is giving us the opportunity to say it in love. In love. I've got a lot of things that I would really like to say to some people about you know, Christians who think that this election was great. They just put a guy in office that kills babies, that believe, his platform is, you know, killing babies. 
And if you think that's great, since Roe v. Wade, I think it's something like 60-something million babies have been, and, and a lot of minority babies have been murdered. What did that have to do? I'm telling you, it's stirring in me because we have so many... See, people are afraid to say this stuff. We've got to tell it like it is. So now we have a bunch of Christians or people who think they are that are in churches all over the land who are voting and exercise, and they're all about now social justice and all this other stuff, and they're going to have this program, and they're going to do this in their church, and they're going to do that. What about the plain truth? What about just saying what Jesus said? What about just doing what Jesus did? What about stop trying to impress people? What about trying, listen, stop having people shut us up because we're going to be unpopular if we say what he says. He said it. He said it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I told you, it was sparing nothing, just saying it like it absolutely is. And look, and, and look what he said, be watchful and strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die. So he's saying, listen, there's evidently, these, these folks went to the Lord. It's not like these people, like some doctrines or theologies or denominations would tell you, man, this thing... Would, would tell you, well, those people were never saved in the first place. No, they had something because it died, and now he's warning them, what you have left, make sure you watch because that is getting ready to die also. Oh, are you with me? See, again, that's not very popular these days to say, but I'm just telling you what the Word says. Well, that's your interpretation. Is, could there be any other interpretation? It's right there. It's absolutely right there. There can be no other interpretation. Be watchful and strengthen the things which remain. They're ready to die. Your, your works are not perfect or complete before God. Now, somehow, some way, you know, maybe you've got this great reputation because, listen, you're helping people. That's a great thing. But remember, like the other church, uh, Ephesus, you know, you're doing these things, you're doing these works, you're doing, and it's all well and good. And even the government is going to love us when we take care of each other. And we're, that's great that they're going to let us do that. But you better not say this or say that or say the other thing because that's going to offend somebody. You better not preach or teach against homosexuality. You better not preach or teach against certain sins because that's going to offend people. And after all, no. But you can go ahead and you can play church. You can go ahead and do some of these things. You can go ahead and be philanthropic. You can go ahead and, and have your you know, turkey drop. And you can go ahead and you can you know, take care of you know, this house and that house. And you can go ahead and, and, and tithe and offer and do all of these things. You can go ahead and do these things. But just you better not say this. You better not preach against that. You better not... Come on now. It's already happening. It's already happening. So my brothers and sisters, they showed us through this pen how quick they will be able to shut us down. But let me, I really digress here. We have to strengthen what's left in us as individuals in this congregation. We have to strengthen what's left in us. We have to somehow muster up enough courage and and just actually not even our own. Just enough courage to say, okay, I'm not going to believe what thus saith 
them. I'm going to believe what thus saith the Lord, even if it looks bad, even if it costs me something, even if I become unpopular, even if my own family turns against me, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to really just believe and trust in the Lord. Lord, give us strength. Lord, give us more courage, Lord, that we may be able to do that. Let us say what you say, Lord. Let us see what you see, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen? Ah, hallelujah. watchful and strengthen those things. Remember, therefore, look at verse 3. Remember, therefore, how you have received and heard. See, this also tells me these people had something. They had something. Yeah, we get a hint of something here in James one twenty one. Therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your soul. So receive. See, so, so we have to get to this point where we're willing to say, okay, God, I, I understand. I'm not all right. I'm not all, you know, I, I, I scored a, a astronomical on my SATs or I've got, uh, you know, 180-something IQ, whatever the case, but I realize that I'm not all there. I realize that that's not really uh, the, the thing that impresses you. I realize, Lord, that that's not what you've called me to do. That's not what you've called me to be, all about my intellect. I realize, Lord, that I've got some gifts and talents. I realize, Lord, but Lord, what? watch. So, Lord, help me to be what you want me to be, not what I want to be. No. Help me, Lord, to be turned on by the things that turn you on. Now, I know that's not great language, but you know what I'm saying. Help me, Lord, to be to be on fire for the things that are you're on fire for. Help me, Lord, to be excited about the things that you're excited about, Lord. Help me, Lord, right? So receive so I got in order for that to happen, I got I got to come to the point, I got to come to the place where I say no matter how good it's been, no matter how good I think I was in any area of my life, I've got to recognize that I am not totally good and that the only thing that makes me good is God. And so I come to him with meekness and I receive the engrafted word, that word that cuts my heart. You know, when I was reading this and then this morning, even on my way here, it came up again. What I thought about was Acts chapter 2. What? I see a bunch of people who, uh, they're, they're obviously in town for the holiday, so they obviously acknowledge God in their lives. But then all of a sudden, there's a certain group of people, about 120 of them, that are also there because of God. And they saw the true and living God in the body of Jesus. And he said to wait there. Wait. And so they did. They obeyed him. They didn't worry about, well, I got a job. I can't be there for 100. And, I, I can't be there that many days. There's 120 of it. That was what was left. There were probably not that many that, I mean, there was probably more that started. But regardless, I mean, I've got kids. I've got homework, I've got a job, I've got this to do, I've, I've got this place to be. I can't be there. I, I, I don't, how long is it going to be? I, I just can't stay there all that time and just wait on God. No, there were 120 that said, he said, wait, I'm waiting. He said, wait, I'm going to wait. Because right now what the most important thing is, and what happened? Because they waited, Holy Spirit fell. 
If there were only two people there, Holy Spirit would have fell. But there were 120 people there. Holy Spirit fell. And it spilled out into the streets. And what happened was that, you know the story, they were speaking the wonderful works of God. And all of those people that were gathered there because of a godly holiday, a holy day, as it were, they got to see and hear all of this. And then in the middle of this, We've rehearsed this so many times, but I love this story. In the middle of this, a fisherman from Galilee gets up and starts preaching a message. And he starts quoting Scripture, relating the Scripture to the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah. And he lets it rip. And he is not shy about it. He's not bashful about it. He's bold about it. And he, tell, and he knows the same people that had Jesus killed are the same people that can very well have him killed. But he gets up and he speaks boldly and preaches a message. And then those people that were around, not part of the 120, what happens to them? What, what, what is this? What's going on here? What, 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 what does this mean? And after he... Preach, they were pricked to the heart, the scripture tells us. My words are spirit, they are life. Peter preached the truth boldly by Holy Spirit, and they were pricked to the heart. What must we do? Be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, and you'll receive, my brothers and sisters, that's how it is supposed to be. That's how it's supposed to be. So you have these people who receive the word. So we have here, remember therefore how you received and heard. See this back in that scripture, back in verse 3. Remember therefore how you received and how you Don't get weary, brothers and sisters. Don't get frustrated. Listen, a lot of things are not going to go your way. Don't be surprised about it. it, it it's not meant to. And don't, my brothers and sisters, don't be surprised about the persecution that's going to come. Remember I told you, years ago it's coming, and now I can tell you with a certainty. It's here, and it's going to get worse. Don't compromise. Don't compromise. Be bold. Be strong. If you're not going to be bold and strong for you, be bold. Be strong for your kids. For your kids' kids. Be bold. Be strong. He is true. He will never change. And it doesn't matter how many geniuses and how many people that are going to be lined up against you, you are on the side of truth. You are on the side that is victorious. You are on the side that wins. Hallelujah. Know how I know that? He's already won. He's already won. Even death couldn't hold him. He's already won. Hallelujah. (laughs) Listen, I, I just... In Colossians 2.13, bear with me. And you have being dead in your trespasses and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made alive together with him, having forgiven you all your trespasses. So we were dead and then we were made alive. Ephesians 2, 1 and 2. And, he, and you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sin, which you once walked according to the course of this world. We, we were dead. We were all dead. He made us alive just like them. We were all dead. He made us alive. Amen? All right. Romans 8, 12 and 13. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, what? You will die. If by the Spirit, if, see that? 
If, that's big on purpose. If, it's big. If by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. So my brothers and sisters, what do you suppose happened to this church? They started living according to the flesh. They started living according to the flesh. They allowed fleshly living inside the church. They allowed sin in the church. They allowed it. And you see what Jesus is saying to them. You need to remember how you received and how you heard. When I heard the word of God, I was convicted. I knew that we're who, and I know many of you in this room and many under the sound of my voice will have the same confession. We heard a message, we heard a word, and we were convicted. Holy Spirit convicted our hearts, and we knew we had to change. Now, like, if some of you may be like me, I didn't grow up in a church, I didn't know a lot about the Word of God. So, I mean, it wasn't an overnight thing where he waved the magic wand over me. The next day, I started living like Jesus. I, I could walk on what It wasn't that way. I had to start learning and receiving the Word and then letting the Word cleanse me. But, but remember, I remember, though, that when I went to him, I remember that things started to change. And then I remember there was one specific time, um, even though I was on that road, Michelle and I together... Uh, went down to an altar one time together to dedicate our lives together. And and I can't can't speak for Michelle. I I, I can't speak for her. But I'm going to just speak for me. In that moment, I absolutely... I I knew I was saved before that, and I knew... And I felt the weight that was lifted off of me. But it was just... I I found it just so difficult to live for God. There were things I knew that had to be changed... But I had to, there wasn't enough word in there to change me. So it took a little time for me to read the word, study the word, to begin to understand the word and let that word work in me. And then, and it wasn't that long, but I did, Michelle and I went to the altar together and, and that, was the, that was it. And that, from that moment on, it was like, it was like almost like a veil was lifted. Don't, don't get me wrong. I knew I was saved before that, but something different happened then. My brothers and sisters, there are so many in our church or in other churches that have a form of godliness, but they're denying the power thereof. They have prayed a prayer, or they've been down to an altar, or, or whatever. Then they're doing things in the church. They volunteered in the church, and they're doing some really wonderful volunteer work. They're really blessing people who are in need, and all of that is great. But that doesn't get it done. See, the one who has seven eyes and the seven spirits sees everything even to the extent that he sees inside of us. He knows what's still in there. So Tony had a lot, there was a lot of work for Tony that God had to do. There was a lot of cleaning up that God had to do in Tony. And still, the job isn't done. I know that's not real good for uh, somebody in my position to say, but... What should, I, what should I do? Should, should I tell you that I got it all together and there's no more sin and I'm... No. My brothers and sisters, that's the problem. See, we got to come to a place. Well, what's the problem? I'm telling you, you don't make sense. You're saying if there's sin in the church, you're living away from God, you're dead. No. When we make mistakes, we have to be... Listen. Listen to me. When we make mistakes, we have to go to him and ask for forgiveness so that he can forgive us and cleanse us, right? 
But it's the, the problem is we would go ahead and be satisfied with these little mistakes and these little tendencies that we still have and we let them go and metastasize and then all of a sudden we find ourselves a, a little bit further from God, a little bit, but, but we're, we're not, we can't readily admit it. Because we're afraid that if we admit it, you know, someone's going to know our business, someone's going to think less of us, blah, 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 this and that and the other thing. Listen, the most important... See, you could be like this church. You could be alive but dead. You can have this reputation for being... Man, that guy, you see that guy, man? Oh, man, he doesn't even say a bad word. You know, he doesn't, he doesn't even say a bad word. Man, he's so, he goes to church every Sunday. Man, he, I think he's a deacon in his church and blah, blah, blah and all this other stuff. But in the meantime, inside of his heart, he still has hate for people that don't have the same color skin that he has. Or he has some kind of a, 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 an odd against somebody that hurt him when he was knee-high to a grasshopper. My brothers and sisters, we can look the part. But we've got to let it all go. We've got to give it to Jesus. We've got to repent. We've got to realize, listen, I need help on the inside. I'm impressing some people on the outside. But I need help on the inside. Come on. Hallelujah. This church probably had so many good deeds. They were probably doing so many things. How do I know that? Because look at what it said. Man, they've got this great reputation. I can name some churches right now, but I've already made so many people mad at me. I I don't need any more people mad at me. I need more people praying for me. So I'm not going to... (laughs) I'm going to try not to make anybody else mad at me. But here's what I will say. Here's what I will say. This is going to be so hard. Just because you've got uh, the money is rolling in and you've got so much money and so much talent and so much of this stuff going on in your church and you're, man, by the thousands, you're sending it out and you're supporting missionaries and you're doing all this. But when you're allowing the people in your church to look just like the culture outside the church, you are losing. You are losing. What good would it be, my brothers and sisters, to do all of this work and think that you're actually changing hearts and minds? How are you changing hearts and minds? If I give you something and say, pray a prayer, you're going to pray to prayer. I'm going to get this, I'm going to get that. I better be preaching truth. I better be making sure that it's the Word of God, the Word of God uncompromised, because that's the only thing that saves the soul. You need to receive the implanted Word of God that is able to save your soul. You better receive the real Word of God, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth to help you, God, because that's what will save your soul. Yeah, do I want to give my brother a meal? Yes. Do I want to clothe the naked? Do I want to visit the prisoner? Absolutely. Do I want to take care of the widow? Absolutely. The Scripture commands us to do that. But I got to know that, listen, when I give that person food, that food will not save their soul. When I help that widow and she feels so good, I love you, Pastor Tony. That's great. It's all well and good. But that will not save her soul. Come on now. Come on. Somebody better help me preach. I'm going to take longer. My my brothers and sisters, think about that. I'm on fire right now. We need to be on fire out there. We need to save people. We No. Oh, but we're so worried about hurting feelings. You know, you know how many people, how many people during the course of this 18 years, however long it's been, oh, tell Pastor, that was a great message, Pastor. Man, I love you, Pastor. I need, this is my family. Where are they? Where are they? 
Where'd they go? Where, where'd they go? I thought you loved me. I thought we were family. So you go? You don't say nothing? Where'd they go? See, so look, we throw around that word love so much. So, so how, do our, how are our kids going to know what it is? How are our kids going to know the love of God if we don't act according to the love of God? Come on. How are the kids going to know what that really is? So listen, I'm going to just say, hey, listen, don't tell me. Oh, that was a great message, Pastor Tony. After this service, I know it's a good message. It's God's message. So don't tell me after church. And don't tell me, love you, Pastor Don't tell me that unless you absolutely really need it and it's by the Holy Ghost. I've had too many people talk, talk to me and tell me those things all these years, and I don't want to be jaded. I'm human. I don't want to be jaded. So look at what, I'm, what am I saying. Man, watch what comes out of your mouth. Don't just look the part, say the right words, and, and gain favor with the pastor. Or the, you know, don't, don't do that stuff. Just be real. Just be real. And understand that we're all of us are broken. He is the one. In Him we are fixed. In Him, it's together. It's complete. Amen? All right, so they, they, pro- they, they did their good deeds. And they, they, they probably... There's no question... There are people in churches, again, that know enough scripture. They know some of the things to say. They know how to act, how to put on their Sunday clothes. But they've never been regenerated. They've never really had that renewal of the Holy Spirit. And, and sometimes it's, it's easy to figure that out because the Holy Spirit seems to be... I read a book a long time ago and I shared it with a lot of you. Uh, the Forgotten God by Francis Chan. And, you know, it was a very good book, and I, I liked his perspective on it, so on and so forth. But, there, but even more so, I mean, how in the world can we ever grow in the Spirit when we forget about Him? Oh, we'll talk about Him in very generic terms or, oh, in by-the-way terms, but never really. What is His function? What is He actually? How important is that? Man, didn't we see? Jesus has the seven spirits of God. Jesus, I'm, listen... It's very important for me that I go away. If I don't go away, I can't send the Spirit. I can't send the promise of the Father. I can't send the Comforter. When I send Him, see, listen, the, I talked about love a minute ago. The only way that we have the power to love each other like God loves is by the Holy Spirit. It's the only way. The love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts by Holy Spirit. Amen? That's the only way we can do this. So, so man, we don't need to shut Holy Spirit out. We need to make sure that we're... But we, and we got to let that... Because we, we have to be regenerated spiritually. We have to be born again spiritually. It's a supernatural thing. So we can't deny the function of the Holy Spirit. We need to identify that. We need to know that. That it's more than just, you know, you know maybe just saying a, a sinner's prayer and walking away and thinking everything's fine. No. There's some people that are just totally indifferent. And say, I don't know how you could be that and love God. I'm checking the box. I'll go to church, uh, may pray when I eat, and no, just I don't. I don't know how you could do. Man, if He's God, serve Him. Make the decision. Serve Him. Not the way I want to. The way He wants to. There was, I, I, when, when we 
first moved back here and, you know, subsequent years after that, that would have been in, was it 98 or something like that? There was a big church in Tampa, real big church. And I'm not going to name names, but I'm just going to say to you, you know, the people that I came to work with, they were from out of state as well. And they had just been kind of growing in the Lord. They had, uh, they had been to a, a denominational style church when they lived away from here. And when they came, they looked for that same denominational church. But we spent some time together, and I started ministering, you know, full gospel. And so they actually looked for a church that was full gospel. And they uh, found this church because it was so publicized, and they were on TV, and blah, blah, blah. And so they go to this church, and they, were, they gave all they had. They, they, were, they were very serious about their relationship with God. And so they moved up in the church and had position in the church. And, in fact, um, we partnered with that church back in the early days when we did our first back-to-school blessing, some of the material that we used, the shoes and the book bags and stuff like that, some of it came from that church. And, of course, we had a lot of it on our own as well, but they donated some to us, and it was because I knew those folks, and, hey, do this. And I, I, I was invited to some of their things, and I sat down with one of their associate pastors, and, you know, there were some decent, nice people there, decent people serious about the Lord. But I remember um, things started getting a little bit whacked out. I remember... Uh, you know, there were some people that were invited there to preach and teach. All the, They were all into the, the rich and famous, the jet-flying, limousine-riding pastors, the celebrity pastors. They started doing programs with that, which in and of themselves are not bad, but that became the thing. Then I also know that this per- the head pastor there invited someone who was an avowed atheist to fill his pulpit um, and who also you know, owned several of the uh, strip clubs in, in that area and, and let him they, had, they were friends they became friends and he let him uh, speak to the church address the church on a Sunday morning yeah yep that church doesn't exist anymore that church doesn't exist anymore but my brothers and sisters that's, that's obviously an extreme case but nevertheless I think this is an extreme case that speaks to that you can't let sin in the camp you can't let sin come in and expect that the people will not be affected. You can't expect, you can't allow sin and the culture and the flesh to come in here and start dominate, dominating things and think that Holy Spirit's going to stay and, and, and things are going to happen God's way. Oh, we could still give. They were blessing people. They had all the programs and, and there were a lot of things happening and, 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 and people were blessed. People were blessed. The place that I went to work with in um, Carolina, very huge ministry, huge ministry. And so I went up there because the people that purchased it, purchased it out of bankruptcy. Because the people who originated it and started the program and did all those things, guess what? They got a little bit sinful. They got in the flesh. They did things they shouldn't have done. And it crumbled. My brothers and sisters, we cannot... It's the same story everywhere you go. And see, because we have so many of these other ministries that maybe aren't as big and famous and they're not, you know, in the limelight. So, but that's the way it goes. So now remember, we're looking at a church that God has used in an example. And remember, he says the same things at the end. Let, you know, we need, let him who have ears... Uh, hear what Christ is saying to the churches. So let us who are spiritual hear what he's saying to the churches, to us, to them and to us. 
And to Tony as an individual, what is he saying to Tony? I can't allow this corruption. I can't allow my sinful nature to go ahead and, and take command in any situation. I can't adhere to the flesh. And I can't, I, I got to just go ahead and be totally submitted to the spirit. Because the minute I start compromising, I, I begin the corruption, I, be, I begin to die. But I love our Jesus. Our Jesus says it. Listen, he's given them a warning. Just like, remember in the last, in Thyatira, he told Jezebel, I gave her time to repent. He gives us warnings. He lets us know the truth. He loves you too much to let you just go by the wayside and go in your own direction and allow yourself to be darned because you chose to. He's giving you a warning. Those who may be listening, those of us in here, there might be something that you're flirting with or you're thinking about. There may be a half a step back that you took compared to where you were a month ago, a week ago, a year ago. Don't do it. Go to him for strength. Go to him for strength. Listen to what it says in Romans 6.13. Do not... Do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. I'm going to go ahead and my members, what does that mean? My body, all of this, my mind, my eyes, everything that I am. I'm, I'm not going to go ahead, my brothers and sisters, and present them to do things that are evil in God's eyes, to be sinful, to go after the sinful, to obey the old sinful nature. But what does it say? It says, rather, I should be serving God and use my members for, as servants of righteousness. Those things that are right in God's eyes, not in my own. You see what I'm saying? It, it won't be good enough for Tony just to go ahead and, and preach a good, feel-good message and, and make everybody feel good and all this. It won't be good enough for Tony just to look the part. Man, it has to be in here and it has to be what he says. Amen? Not what I feel like, not what I'm comfortable with. In fact, I've told you this many times before, and young people, please hear me. A lot of times we have in our, eye, in our minds and in our hearts, well, I'm going to do this for God. Well, a lot of times, my brothers and sisters, that's based on your own heart, and your heart can be deceived. Your heart deceives you sometimes. You're going by your heart. So, no, 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 you've got to go and do what God has called you to do, and sometimes, or I should say most of the time, it's going to be uncomfortable. Why? Because it's got to be him doing it, not you. If you're comfortable, then that means you're doing it. If you're uncomfortable, you gotta, and you're depending on him to do it. Come on now. Somebody should have wrote that one down. I'm telling you, my brothers and sisters, it, it, nine times out of ten, it's going to be uncomfortable because it can't be about you. It's got to be about him. Amen? Amen. Amen. So I'm going to be your instrument, God. It's not going to be fun. It's not going to be a, a, a cakewalk. Man, I remember uh, the first few times I went into prison, I was so nervous. Not as an inmate, as a minister. I was challenged by a friend, and I'm so thankful that I was. I was challenged by a friend, and he knew just how to say it to get me to go. You ain't doing nothing. Come on, you need to go in prison with me. And so, yeah, okay. 
So I went, not really knowing at all. I've not, I, you know, it's not like I took a course. It's not like I, it just, you just go in there. All right, what do I do? Well, he, go talk to people. And so, you know, and then one thing they tell you just a little bit, like if, if it's, uh, you know, there, there were some rooms where there were multiple uh, bunks, but in each space, that's their house. So if you just walk up on it, it's disrespectful. I was told a handful of things like that. So I'd kind of gingerly walk up and wait for the person, whoever I was approaching, to give me the nod either to come in, you know, come a little closer and start to talk. Or if they kind of let, gave me the uh, stink eye or just, you know, I would just say, hey, hey, we're going to have a program later on. You're welcome to come and then just leave them alone. But it, most of them uh, wanted to engage. But, man, I was scared out of my wits. I didn't know what to say, didn't know what to do. I was terribly uncomfortable. Terribly uncomfortable. Just did it. Let, let the Holy Spirit have his way. And, and there were probably, I probably tripped over my own tongue so many times. I remember there were times, hey, Tony, we're going to have this, uh, they, they had this little function uh, on Friday nights. We had this praise and worship service. Uh, people on the property where we, we worked, there was a lot of Christians, all of us from different churches and stuff, but we had this praise and worship service on Friday nights. And so I remember I was going up there one night. He told me, hey, would you get up there and say a few things? What? That was before I was a pastor of church. I, 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 just, I knew I was called. I knew I was called to minister to ministry, but I really hadn't have a, do a lot of speaking or anything like that. I did some. Tony, would you get up there? Oh, my gosh. Now, I know that I'm saying these things, and there are people in this room that you could testify similarly that you've had some of those experiences where you didn't, you was like you were frightened because, and we talked about this on Wednesdays. We're talking about this with our young people and our older people as we're studying about being his witnesses in, 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 in situations. And Pastor Tori did a good job Wednesday about this, right? So, so my brothers and sisters, this is, this is it's, it's not going to be about me. It's about him. So I'm his instruments. I'm using my members not to do those things that come natural to me. Not to do those things just to, to bring pleasure to me. Not the things that satisfy the appetites of the flesh and of my mind, my ego. In fact, most of the things that I do will come counter that. I have to humble myself. Remember, we've covered this, and, and Mark told me what I was supposed to do very clearly and succinctly when... Right? When, some, <laughs> when, you know, when someone did me wrong, I used to think about how am I going to get back. Well, that had to change. That, 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 but the change was totally against my nature. Am I losing you? Are you hearing me? It's totally against my nature. Something has to change. To, to ask somebody for forgiveness. And, and listen, I can't remember... And not to ask somebody for forgiveness because if I don't, I'm going to hell. But to get to the place where you're really more concerned with someone else's feelings, someone else's disposition rather than your own. I'm going to ask for forgiveness because, you know, once I've done that, I've done my duty, I can walk away, I'm clean. If that's what you're doing, don't do it. Come on now. See, this is, what I'm saying is not very popular. I know this. But this is true. How do you know that, Tony? Read the Bible. Read the Bible. I, I, I've, I've hurt you. I've hurt you. 
I'm sorry. You know, I hope you can find it in your heart to forgive me. Why? So I'm released. No, so that you're released. So that, so that you, you can have closure. You can be over it. Right? There's a difference. So it's, it's, it's getting away from my own human tendencies. Are, are, are you with me still? Okay. Uh, let's go back to Revelation verse 3. Remember, therefore, how you've received and how you've heard. Hold fast and repent. You see what he's telling the church? Hold fast and repent. So now look what he said to them. He said, you're alive, but you're dead. But there's still some things that are remaining. And now he's saying, hold fast and repent. See, Jesus is not willing that any should perish. So if you've made a mistake, those of you in this room and those of you who are listening to me, if you've made a mistake, you go, oh, I don't know, man. I don't know if he could ever forgive me because I've done... This church was in bad sin. This church allowed sin in their camp and they were going through, and they were going through the motions. They were being hypocrites. They were going through the motions, but inside they were dead. It's like Jesus told the scribes and the Pharisees, you are like whitewashed tombs. Look good on the outside, but inside dead men's bones. That's what he's saying to this church. You're dead on the inside. You're going through the motions. You look like you're philanthropic and you're taking care of people and you have this love and you've got all this stuff going on, but really you're dead. But then look what Jesus says to them. Repent. Hold on and repent. So he's saying that to you, to me, no matter where we've been, no matter what we've done, no matter how many times we've done it or who we've done it with, it doesn't matter. You get to that point right now where you say, Jesus, I hear you. I'm sorry. Help me. I, obviously, Jesus, I've messed this up a bunch of times. And I find myself here many times begging you for forgiveness for the same thing. Anybody ever had that? Don't raise your hand. Have we gone to Jesus many times for the same thing? I know I have. I know I have. It's a good thing he's not like me. Because he doesn't say, Tony, again, now forget it. No. Brothers and sisters, he's telling us, yes, you've messed it up again. But hold on. It's not over yet. There's still something left. There's still something left. There's still something left. Repent. Repent. I'm going to give you victory over this thing. But you keep coming to me. You don't worry about what they think. You just be concerned with me. Amen? Don't, yeah, you can fool them, but you're not going to. So might as well be honest with me and upfront with me. Amen? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Therefore, if you do not watch, I will come as a thief. And you will not know what hour I will come upon you. It's not his will that we should know that he's going to sneak up us on a, as a thief. And we know the uh, parable or the uh, story that he told. You know, my brothers and sisters, I, I don't want to, we, we're running out of time right now. So let me just continue. Look, look. Jesus is warning them. So his purpose is not to come upon them like a thief. Should I take another mic or something? Am I good? Okay. All right. He's not going to come upon them like a thief. He's warning them. That's not his goal. Amen? Okay, let's look at verse 4. For you have a few names in Sardis who have not defiled their garments, and they shall walk with me in white, for they are worthy. So that even though you have him pronouncing this, and there's no commendations... 
but he's talking about this church that's totally black, I'm sorry, backslidden. He's telling now there are some there within that church. Boy, that speaks volumes to me. Why? I don't know if I could have stayed. If things were that bad and I'm spiritual, I don't know if I could have stayed. One of these days. So, so my brothers and sisters, there are some people that are walking with him in white. That's pra- Praise the Lord. So now look, here, here's what I'm going to say to some of you and maybe some of you who are out there are listening. If you don't like something that's going on, talk to somebody. Talk to the pastor. Talk to the people in charge. Pray for him. Pray for me. Pray. And if the Lord is moving you out, hallelujah, praise the Lord. But don't just leave. Let's handle this like brothers and sisters in the Lord. If you see your brother in error, you're supposed to go to them, right? Isn't that what the scripture says? Okay. So, so that's why I said what I said earlier. I mean, I've so many people have in and out. I love you, but I have a great message. Gone. Don't see him anymore. Just tell me. You said this. Or I don't like little Italians. Or, or whatever. It, it, you know, uh, this fine linen, this white garment, what does that mean? It's clean. It's clean. It's, he's purified. He's washed us. We can't wash the linen or the garments ourselves, can we? Let us be glad, uh, Revelation 19, let us be glad and rejoice, give him glory, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his wife has made herself ready. And to her it was granted to be arrayed in fine linen, clean and bright. For the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. Well, see, Tony, you just said you can't clean yourself. That says it's the righteous acts of the saints. That's right, you can't clean yourself. And you can't be righteous by yourself. See, that's the whole thing. We can't do these, these things. We can't look the part and go out there and have a good reputation and think that, okay, we looked the part. Listen, we looked the part. We're, we've got the white clothes on. We're, we're clean. No. Yeah, that, that, all of that stuff, all of that stuff is righteousness. All That's the righteous works of the saints. All those things are righteous works. They're only righteous if Jesus is in the middle of it. They're only righteous if you're doing what he's asked you to do. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord. Haven't we cast out demons in your name? Haven't we? Depart from me, you who worked iniquity. I never even knew you. Oh, well, wait a minute. They're doing marvelous works. They're casting out demons in his name. What, what is going on? How could that be? They're, do, they're working the works for their reasons, for their egos, for their assignment, not the Lord's assignment. Hallelujah. My brothers and sisters, we do the righteous works that God has called us to do and we're arrayed in the white linen. We're the bride. We're the bride. The marriage of the Lamb has come. His wife has made herself ready. He's given her to be arrayed in fine linen, clean and bright. Hallelujah. All right, let me just get through five and six, and we'll call it a day. He who overcomes shall be clothed in white garments, and I will not blot out his name from the book of life. Let me pause here for a minute. Let me ask you a question. Wouldn't your name have to be in it in order to be blotted out? Okay, I'm going to leave it there. Amen. But I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. My brothers and sisters, it's great 
that you, many of us in this church and many of us are in this room and many of us who are listening are not ashamed to mention the name of Jesus. That's, that's a great thing. It is. But if we're not mentioning in the name of Jesus backed up by the Spirit inside of us, if we're living according to our own will, according to our own way, doing the things that we think are right, we become like Sardis. I don't want to be Sardis. I don't, I don't want to be Sardis. I don't want to be Ephesus. I don't want to be any of those churches that we've gone through so far. But yet and still, I see some of those things that he's warning them about. And I see, Tony, there's a couple of issues that you might need help from the Lord with. There's a couple of those issues that maybe you need to examine. How about you? Stand with me, please.